Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> You're listening. Oh. Right. You're, You're listening, listening to. <laughs> You're listening to discourse. 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 From, from from NPR. NPR. Amaranek Public Radio. So, I meant to record audio of the last day of school today, of you know everyone in the hallway and everything. And um, I didn't, I forgot. So I hope, I hope that doesn't mean I just missed capturing my last day of senior year. Like most people my age, I had always been excited for my senior year, for prom and for graduation, for my senior internship at a literary agency in Times Square, for decision day, when everyone would celebrate each other going to college. For the last months I would spend with the people I'd spent my whole year getting closer to. You can probably tell what happened next. In early March, COVID-19 landed in New Rochelle, the next town over. Two or three weeks later, we were closed. I held on to my hope of school reopening for as long as possible, but I knew the inevitable was coming. My senior year was over. It's been said thousands of times, but it's true. Nothing can prepare you for something like this. The news shows a new dire warning every day. How was I possibly going to survive under quarantine, much less find ways to be happy? I knew other people must be wondering the same thing. So before leaving school for what would turn out to be the last time, I decided I was going to find out. At first, I thought it would be easy. For those first 14 days, I opened my voice memos app as often as possible and found something to record. I thought it would be fun to keep track of all the new things I did, like a diary of sorts. So I'm journaling right now, and I just made a list of things I want to try and do for the next 14 days. But eventually, it became clear that quarantine was not going to be what I thought it was. In fact, only a few days in, I felt overwhelmed by the scope of it all. The excitement of having more free time couldn't hide the fact that right outside the door was the pandemic. And who knew what it would take from us? I've been doing a lot of therapy of how to organize kids, how to get them through the day, how to help them through this moment that they're very anxious about. Um, if I get sick, what if my parents get sick? That's the voice of Helene Fremder, school social worker. She's seen a lot of kids my age starting to worry about the situation we're in. As people like to say, and say frequently, these are unprecedented circumstances. Nothing like this has ever happened on such a large scale, and it's scary. When the world is enveloped in fear, it can be really difficult to escape that feeling. And when it goes on for months and months, it can get to be dangerous. We all have to rise to the occasion and push past our fear. Acknowledge fears, right? Because they're real. But push past them. 
Oh, oh gosh, I wish I'm reading Dune, this 1965 science fiction classic right now, and there's a great quote about fear. My second interviewee was Lena Roy, my writing instructor, and the quote she's talking about here is this one. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. But fear isn't the only thing COVID-19 has brought into our lives. defining um, this as mental health grief. So there is unfortunately going to be some anticipated grief of, you know, real grief of death and bereavement. Um, But we are all grieving our lives that we're used to. And the needs that um, emotionally are not necessarily being filled for teenagers per se, because you don't have the opportunity to socialize as much. So how to kind of follow the stages of Kubler-Ross's grief of like, how do I accept this as my new normal for a little while? And how do I um, not just get angry and annoyed because I'm just in my house? As Mrs. Fremder explained this to me, I thought about everything I had lost. My prom, my internship, my last few months of high school, the ones I had been waiting for since high school started. The ability just to walk into town and get frozen yogurt or a smoothie whenever I wanted. Um, And how to kind of get through the stages of anger and depression and shock and then eventually accepting this as, okay, this is what it is right now and how am I going to make the best of it? Um, And though it's not death bereavement, it's, it's it's a loss. So as a country, as a generation, we are all experiencing grief. From denial to anger to depression to bargaining to, eventually, acceptance. And now that I knew that, everything that I was feeling and experiencing made so much more sense. But saying I need to move through the stages of grief to reach acceptance is much easier than doing it. How do we push ourselves past grief? How do we save ourselves from fear's total obliteration? We start with each other. Teenagers are the very social beings, and it's hard to isolate and understand the importance of social distancing, um, especially when your brain is craving other teenagers to be around. It makes sense. When you're a teenager, you want to be surrounded by friends, people with the same interests as you, the same problems, the same experiences. You want to be going out and having fun, not spending every day with your parents and your dog. So social life can be one of the biggest losses we experience in quarantine. But it doesn't have to be lost entirely. There's still plenty of ways for us to see the ones we love. If there's any way to do like FaceTime groups or Google Hangouts for your friends and set like a regular, I don't know, every other day kind of and put into your schedule some sort of socializing every day. I think that's really kind of necessary. 
That's what people all across the world are doing, calling friends on Zoom to host game nights or surprise birthday parties or even just to see someone else's face. We're checking up on each other, but also checking up on ourselves, making sure we have some way to get back all the love we've been missing. And togetherness doesn't end with your friends or your family. I get to think about it constantly. How can I help this person? How can I, you know, so as an adult, you know, or you'll find that it's like getting out of ourselves and being of service to other people. Like that's, that's where happiness lies. It's being in, being in community, being in life and not just thinking about the self. In times like these, helping others is both a distraction from crisis and often a necessity. Making masks, buying or making food, just talking to people, doing whatever we can to take care of each other. And we need to take care of ourselves, too. So I think that human beings are essentially, we're all creative. Everyone's creative in their own way. It's been tossed around on Twitter for weeks. Shakespeare wrote King Lear while in quarantine. Isaac Newton discovered calculus under quarantine. But creativity doesn't necessarily mean the completion of a life-changing project. Instead, for most people... Engaging in a creative activity just means escape. If they're able to imagine, they can reimagine, right? So you can sort of like be in fear or be in depression or whatever, and then kind of step outside um, and have, and hopefully that, that, you know, what we're working toward is empathy for others and for self, right? To kind of accept that some days, we just have a bad day right but that doesn't mean that it's forever and that's like that's a tool we have to you learn to use like when we're children and teens and into adulthood that feelings are not facts yeah that things don't that our feelings don't last forever doing work of a creative nature helps us to both distract ourselves from our feelings and come to terms with them It helps us in processing our grief and beginning to see another side, a world where maybe, despite everything being different, we can still find ourselves surviving. Lena and I describe creativity through writing, but it can be anything. Art, cooking or baking, sewing, taking pictures, making a podcast... But no matter what you do, there will still be days when everything just seems off. And that's okay. It's the nature of grief. Because some yeah. days we look at where we're wearing, we're wearing funky glasses, man, and we're, we can't see anything right. Everything looks ugly. It's a journey, and it may be hard to get used to it. Everyone deals with loss differently, and everyone moves through the stages at a different rate. Take your time. The important thing is to remember that not everything is gone. There are still reasons to be happy. 
do you think there might be a good side to what's happening right now? A good side to everyone being stuck at home and in the midst of a pandemic and all that. Absolutely. And I, I just, I'm, I, I worry that I'm sounding too much too Pollyanna-ish. And I, <laughs> but I think that we can learn, I mean, first of all, this is a global crisis. So the fact that, that we're all in this together, and it, it, it is terrible, it is a crisis, but the fact that we're in this together is very moving. Like it's a universal human experience um, that, we, that we're having together, that brings us together as a community. I left or hung up from both of my interviews feeling like I was facing something of mammoth proportions. The simple goals of my podcast and my little to-do list seemed like toothpicks against global grief. But in the end, although the obstacle to it was greater than I had imagined, my quarantine goal was really just the same as it had always been, to find ways to be happy, even in the midst of worldwide fear and loss. And when the initial shock and sadness of the loss of my school year had passed, I realized being put in lockdown had given me an opportunity I'd never had before. To wake up every morning and consciously decide, what am I going to do today to be happy? So these are the things I chose. I went for nature walks. And the way you identify it is it has these greenish yellow sort of circular buds. Um, and it's really fun. <laughs> I played the guitar. I dried flowers. I baked bread and cookies and cupcakes. I walked all over town to bring presents to my friends. I went into the woods and sat there for hours. And it's confetti. Thank God. <laughs> I had the decision day I had wanted all on my own. It's been over two months since school closed, and I first undertook the monumental task of overcoming my grief for the life I'd lost. In those two months, I've watched my town and my country replace that old way of life with a new one. If you were to step outside today, you'd see families going for walks or bike rides, their dogs scampering alongside them. You'd see food delivery drivers and pickup stations. You'd see neighbors talking over their fences, or friends sitting in the trunks of their cars. Everyone is wearing masks, but their eyes are still smiling. If I started this project looking for sources of happiness, then I would say I found them. If I started this project looking for hope, then I can say I have more than ever. And the only way to get here was to do exactly what Lena and Helene said. To acknowledge grief acknowledge fear, and let myself move through them. Two months ago, I had no idea where I would be now. And while, of course, the situation has not been ideal, it's been more than survivable. No matter how much is lost, we still have something left. And that something can be beautiful and fulfilling in itself. Like Lena says, There's so much life. Yeah. Still. Yeah.
Thank you.